question this morning in this title is, are you ready? You ever ask that question to anybody? Are you ready? And as husbands, would you agree this morning that when you're ready to go somewhere, that husbands are always ready before wives? Is there a brave soul to say amen? amen. Stacy's arguing with me, but I think, I think there's a lot more amens in the men's corner than there is in the women's, but that's just my opinion. I have learned in almost 46 years of marriage, you never go to the foot of the stairs and say, are you ready yet? I have learned to go up the stairs and explore the issues myself, and sometimes I don't say anything. What are you looking at? Well, I was just, just up here. See if he's okay, baby. I want, I want you to be okay. So, <laughs> You think I'm lying, don't you? I don't have my fingers crossed. <laughs> you, ever, you ever notice any of these bumper stickers? Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming back. There's been phenomena in my life that have been unusual. And we were in Mount Carroll, Illinois, a stranger showed up, maybe spent maybe a couple months. Nobody knew his name, where he came from, where he went. He went to every business, went into churches. He came into our church to a Sunday school class. And this is what he'd say, hey, Jesus is coming back. And then he'd turn and leave. He, he, he wouldn't talk. He wouldn't stay. But what amazed me with that statement is how many people he upset. I was trying to get a, a handle on that. Well, I don't know if it's guilt or... Maybe they knew he was right, but it goes back to the song, the Pastor Jeff's prayer. There is power in the name of Jesus. I don't care. It's there. You can't get away from it. Paul said in Titus 2.13, followers of Christ should be looking for the blessed hope, and that is Jesus Christ. We need to be constantly reminded of Christ's return, eagerly and expectantly looking for Jesus Christ to split that eastern sky, for that trumpet blast to blast our ears and a shout as Jesus summons his church up, says, come on home, kids. But the question is, are you ready? For Thessalonians 4, 16, 17, and 18, Paul says, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and then in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. So shall we ever be with the Lord. And then he finishes with verse 18, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. That we ought to be as bad as we think the world's getting. We can always comfort one another with these words. You know what? Jesus is going to haul us out of here someday. And there are many different views on when. There's, there's pre, mid, post, trib. But while Christians have often disagreed about the events that lead up to the return of Christ, there has been less disagreement about what will happen once he does return. One, Christ will return visibly with a loud command. There will be an unmistakable cry from an angel. There will be a trumpet fanfare such as men or women has never heard. Believers in Christ who are dead will rise from their graves. Believers who are alive will be caught up in the clouds to meet Christ. Man, this, this, this news should excite us. And that, Help us to answer the question, are you ready? But the church has many critics, and critics have always denied and rationalized and cast doubt by saying this, 2 Peter 3, 4, what's happened to the promise of his coming? Everything's going on just as it has from creation. Nothing's changed. 
But Christ's coming is not speculation. New Testament refers to it over 300 times. Peter says this in 2 Peter 3, 8 through 10. But you must not forget, dear friends, that a day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise to return, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to perish, so he's giving more time for everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpected as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and everything in them will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be exposed to judgment. Grant gave me this clip two years ago, and I've showed it before. Maybe you remember it, but I believe it'll be something like this. Jesus Christ is coming back for his church. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 24, verse 42, Watch therefore, for you do not know the hour your Lord is coming. I want you to know, church, that Jesus Christ could come this month, or he might come next week. Or he could even come... like that, it happens. It's just a blink of an eye. And I, I, what I thought was interesting about that clip, they did it in the church. You know the tragedy behind that? That'll be maybe most churches across America. Not everybody will go. Sad to say, but some have heard the gospel, but they've never responded. They've never bent the knee of their heart to Christ. I, so they will, they will be left. The guy in the red shirt, he understood it. He fell on his face. He knew what was ahead, what was coming. You know, that's, we talk a lot about salvation. It's the main thing that we have to say. Sure, we come to Christ and we want you to grow and, and, and develop because God has a purpose for your life, and he has gifted you to be a light in this world. Yeah. We want to help you find that, but there has to be a starting point, and Christ is the starting point. That's why Pastor Jeff and I and Kurt, Steve, Chris, Bert, Haley, the people upstairs, Grant and Larry and Jordan, those guys on the leader, that's why we always preach and teach about the vital need to accept Christ, because that is the starting point. Nothing else matters but this in the beginning, and then you start off with that journey with him. Why we, that's why we need to be constantly reminded of Jesus' imminent return. And I pray that none of us in this group this morning are in this group that Peter mentions in verses 3 through 7 in 2 Peter 3. First, I want to remind you that in the last days there will be scoffers who will laugh at the truth and do every evil thing they desire. This will be their argument. Jesus promised to come back, did he? Then where is he? Why, as far back as anyone can remember, everything has remained exactly the same since the world was first created. They deliberately forgot that God made the heavens by the word of his command, and he brought the earth up from the water and surrounded it with water. Then he used the water to destroy the world with a mighty flood. And God has also commanded that the heavens and the earth will be consumed by fire on the day of judgment when ungodly people will perish. <laughs> 
I hope none of us are scoffers. Peter then, this passage gives four arguments concerning Christ's return. And he's given these arguments to scoffers. They are arguments that you and I can use today. The first one's at verse 7. Peter argues that just as in the past, as God has purged the existing cosmos, which is the world, by his word and by water, so in the future he will purge the cosmos by his word and by fire. Now, whether this takes place before the millennium or after, Peter does not say. Matthew 3, 11, and 12 supports the former, while the sequence of Revelation 20, 21 puts the new heaven and new earth after the thousand-year reign of Christ. 2 Peter 3, 13 says, But we are looking forward to the new heavens and new earth, he has promised, a world where everyone is right with God. Try to wrap your mind around that. A world when everyone is right with God. And what a world that will be. Second argument is verse 8. He's, he's against the false teachers scoffing at the delay of the Lord's coming. Psalm 90, verse 4. For a thousand years is in your sight are like a day that has just gone by or like a watch in the night. They overlooked God's time perspective. The admonition, do not forget, is addressed to believers and uses the same word that is used in verse 5 of false teaching. Deliberate forgetfulness. Christians, we have to be careful lest the propaganda of the scoffers distort our thinking and lead us astray. Third argument's in verse 9. God's delay is gracious. It's not caused by inability or indifference. The scoffers argued that God was slow to keep his promise of the new age. And evidently some Christians were influenced by this as some understand slowness. God's plan is influenced by his patience. An attribute promised in Scripture, Exodus 34, 6, Psalm 86, 15, Jeremiah 15, 5. Romans 9, 22, Paul says that God bore with great patience the objects of his wrath. Here in verse 9, God's patience is directed to you and I. He is patient with you and I. And aren't you glad he is patient with you? It goes way beyond anything we can imagine. On all the days or weeks that we never pick this up, of all the times when the Holy Spirit knocks on our heart, wanting us to say a word, do an act of kindness, we ignore it over and over again. God has patience with that, with us. Can you imagine if we got what we deserved? It, it would, it, it's, it's more than we can grasp in our finite minds. Fourth argument, verse 10, reaffirms the early church's teaching. The day of the Lord will come suddenly. Jesus taught that his coming would be as unexpected as the coming of a thief, Matthew 24. And this analogy is commonly repeated in the New Testament, Luke 12, 39, 1 Thessalonians 5, 2, Revelation 3, 3, verses, verse 3, and in chapter 16, verse 15. The Lord in these texts is Jesus in his exaltation and be understood that way here in 2 Peter. In his exaltation, we, we go back and we read the scriptures and, and we love smiling Jesus. We love Jesus with his arms out. We, we, we love to see him and hear his words and the patience that he had with the woman at the well of Samaria and then the lady caught in adultery when them guys were ready to hammer with those rocks. I like that picture of Jesus. But flip over to Revelation. What, what does it say about the Jesus in his exaltation that John saw on the Isle of Patmos. His hair was like wool. His eyes were like fire and lightning coming out. This is a different, this is a different Jesus than was here then. But nonetheless, this is the Jesus that Paul is talking about when he comes back. 
In that catastrophic day, the heavens will disappear with a roar. The roar is the Greek word rosodon, only here, it's only used here in the New Testament. It's an adverb related to rosos, which means the noise made by something passing swiftly through the fair, the air. Revolution 6.14 says, the sky receded like a scroll rolling up, portrays the earth and sky as fleeing from the presence of God. The elements commonly known in New Testament times were air, earth, fire, and water. It's possible in this passage, in this verse, Peter is looking at three different realms. He's looking at the heavens, he's looking at that of the heavenly bodies, and the earth. So the biblical passages, Joel 2.10, Mark 13, 24 through 26, and Revelation 6, 12 through 13, eschatological passages, which that means in times, is talking about this. On the earth, everything in it will be laid bare. So for us as followers of Christ, sometimes we do wonder, man, Lord, when are you coming back? Can this old earth get worse? Absolutely. Will it? I hate to say that. I'm not a pessimist. I'm an optimist. But I, I don't know. As we've seen the changes in the last few years. I, I don't know. But this is how we answer the scoffers. And we answer each other when someone says, hey, when, when's Jesus coming back? We say, any day now. To Christians wondering about God's delayed return, Peter offers a three-part challenge. Number one. When has God ever failed to keep his promise? Never. And God will not fail now. If Jesus says he's coming back, you can bank on he's coming back. Two, when has God ever fulfilled a promise in quite the exact way all of us smart people think he should? Never. So don't get too smart now. We, we have ways and things we want God to do, but he does it in his way and not ours. Third part of that challenge, what could God possibly be waiting for? Think about your spheres of influence, those you live with, those you work with, you're in school, those you go to school with. Is everybody in, in, in your vision every day, are they all followers of Christ? Absolutely not. God is patiently waiting. If we don't have tears in our eyes from time to time, we've missed the point of God's patience. We need to stop wondering about it and start spreading the word. And we can't let any human reasoning deter you from your hope and your duty. God was not tardy or late. Unlike people, God does not forget his promises, nor he is never late following through on them. Instead, the Lord is delaying his return because he is long-suffering and compassionate. He wants as many people to come to him in faith as can. God in his great love is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Jesus is delaying his second coming so that sinners will repent and turn to him. God is not late. The reason, that's the reason he delays the destruction of the world. John 1, 4, verses 7 and 9 in chapter 3, 16. I've heard quite a few messages in my 66 years. There's always some things that the way uh, preachers bring it across kind of bothers me. And I'm sure you said that about me. You go home and man, that guy, he's not with it today. Have you ever heard a message where the speaker was speaking and the subject was the great white throne judgment? 
Now, the great white throne judgment is when all people that rejected Christ finally have a coming home day in that sense because they stand before God and he has to sit on that throne and cast them into a burning hell because they rejected his son. Now, I've heard preachers preach that with glee. In fact, man, oh man, here they rejected Christ, scoffed, abused Christians, on and on, and now they're getting what's coming to them. I got a different perspective on that day. I thank God the Father will not have a smile on his face. He condemns them people to a burning hell. I think Jesus Christ, the Son, will be sitting at his right hand with tears streaming down his face. Man, I gave you guys all this opportunity. But God is the God of his word, and he cannot go back on it. He says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 2 Peter 3.10, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Just like that, we'll be gone. The question is, are you ready? Paul explained that no matter how long it might be, the day of the Lord will come, and it'll be upon us unexpectedly. And we should live each day as though Christ could return at any moment. We have to be morally clean and spiritually alert. The day of the Lord will be a time of judgment and destruction, for the heavens will disappear with a roar, The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Are you ready for that? Larry Norman was one of the first contemporary Christian artists and wrote a song entitled, I Wish We'd All Been Ready. In 1969, Norman returned to Capitol Records to honor his original 66 contract with understanding that he would have complete artistic control. He had a handle, he had a pulse on this country that a lot of church people look down on, if you will. Rock and roll music was from the devil. And I don't know if anybody's young enough to hear people say that. Larry Norman thought, here is this idiom, is this this genre in America that is sweeping the country by storm because all these young people, they're not flocking to hear hymns, they're flocking to play and listen to rock and roll music. Why not take rock and roll, interject it with the message of Christ to reach these folks? That was his point. Capitol Records had a problem with that in the beginning, but later he came back in three years, and in December 69, Capitol released Norman's first solo rock album, Upon This Rock, the first major label record to marry rock music with the gospel. It's... you that weren't alive at that time, you don't understand the, the, the momentum behind this. <laughs> I'm, I was born in 50, so late 50s when Elvis is around. Uh, I, it was funny to me because the parents and whatever said, man, that guy's going to lead our kids straight down the road to hell. And I, I apologize to Elvis fans everywhere, but nonetheless, that's what was said. Widely regarded as the album that first recruited rock in the service of salvation, later cited as one of the roots of the current contemporary Christian music and now considered to be the first full-blown Christian rock album. On side two of Upon This Rock, song four is I Wished We'd All Been Ready. Here's the thing that I think is amazing about this. 
Larry Norman was this guy in that picture was on this stage and sang that song about 16 years ago. Ron, you might remember that. Kenny Tucker brought him to town. But, but what's most bizarre to me, while we were waiting for him to sing that night, he was over at Brad's at the newsstand, drinking a milkshake, sitting at a booth. Well, Brad had this song on his jukebox and plugged it in. I thought, man, this is wild. The guy that made this song famous throughout the Christian world is sitting in Sullivan, Indiana, in the newsstand, drinking a milkshake, listening to his song on Brad's jukebox. I, I never got over that. I thought that was the wildest thing I'd ever heard of. It was, it was it's just surreal almost. It's just surreal. Well, here, here is that song. I don't know if you've heard it before, uh, but I want you to listen to the words. It's, it's got a, a tremendous message about this passage and what we're talking about this morning. Let's watch this clip. Imagine the chaos that will go across the face of this earth till Satan kicks in and he'll have an explanation for our disappearance. So I ask you followers of Christ this morning, are you ready for the day of the Lord? Are you looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of Jesus, Titus 2.13? Are you living as though it's, it's near by staying grounded in the word? Are you diligent at home and at work to be the salt and the light that God has called us to be? One Christian leader issues this warning. If you're not ready to fly, get your ticket fast. As long as they're available, they're free. But don't wait. About the time you make up your mind, the whole thing could have happened, leaving you looking back instead of up. What well, good is the ticket if the event is over? 
Jesus Christ is the ticket. And my question is this morning, are you ready for his return and is he in your heart? This is the way I came to Jesus. People come different ways in a sense. There's only one way really with confession and repentance. But here was the prayer that all those many years ago that came out of this mouth and from this heart. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In your name, amen. If you've said this prayer today, and you can write where you said, or you can come up here and we can help lead you through that and pray with you. If you said that, write that on your card. That's really interesting uh, that we know that. And if you're already a believer, are you living like you need to live with Christ? And are you ready that you know solidly in your heart that you are a child of God? And when that trumpet blows, that you're out of here with the rest of us. We are going to have a baptism here after a while. And if you feel like the need you want to be baptized, that you've come to Christ and it was an outward sign of an inward change and you want to make your witness to the world, feel free to come up and do that. And as I close this message, I believe that we should pray like Sister Clara played in the war room. Let's watch. done it again Lord you've done it again you are good and you are mighty and you are merciful and you keep taking care of me when I don't deserve it praise you Jesus you are Lord give me another one Lord Guide me to who you want me to help. Raise up more that will call upon your name. Raise up those that love you and seek you and trust you. Raise them up, Lord. Raise them up. Lord, we need a generation of believers who are not ashamed of the gospel. We need an army of believers, Lord hate to be lukewarm and will stand on your word above all else. Raise them up, Lord. Raise them up. I pray for unity among those that love you. I pray that you open their eyes so that they can see your truth, Lord. I pray for your hand of protection and guidance. Raise up a generation, Lord, that will take light into this world. That will not compromise when under pressure. That will not cower, Lord, when others fall away. Raise them up, Lord, 
that they will proclaim that there is salvation in the name of Jesus Christ. Raise up warriors, Lord, who will fight on their knees, who will worship you with their whole hearts, Lord. Lord, call us to battle that we may proclaim you King of kings and Lord of lords. I pray these things with all my heart. Raise them up, Lord. Raise them up. 